gonna work out, John. It's gonna work out. Listen to Dutch. Now, I don't expect you to understand this, but I have never been more proud of you than I am right now, brother. You're doing the right thing. If I don't get that boy back safe, I'm... She... She'll kill us all. I know, but looking at this logically, well, that boy is fine. They took him to scare us. Nobody takes a boy to harm him. He's right, John. What do you think, Arthur? My boy will be fine. But, well, of course Marston's scared rotten. We, we killed all those people. We stirred up all that trouble <laughs> for nothing. No, no, not for nothing. For living. Hello again, and welcome to episode five of PlayStation Pals, a video game podcast. I am your host, Nick, and I am joined by the Chris Redfield to my Jill Valentine, John. John, is Chris Redfield your favorite Resident Evil character? <laughs> uh, no, I'd, I'd probably say no. Um, you know, thinking about my favorite Resident Evil characters, honestly, I probably think of like Mr. X first. I don't even think of any of the, <laughs> the main cast because. Yeah, I don't. I don't play those games for the for the characters. I play them for the the spooky scares. So, yeah, that's probably <laughs> off the top of my head. Mr. X is a good choice. He's he's pretty scary. Yeah, you know, I mean, I, you know, it's too cliche at this day and age to say Lady D or you know anything like that. But uh, yeah, I, I don't have the like traditional Chris Leon's Jills of the world really in any anywhere special for me. So yeah, I kind of just think of the the scary guys. <laughs> All right. Well, yeah, I like I like Jill. Resident Evil Remake is my favorite game in the franchise, and I always liked the Jill campaign. I probably played it so many times when I was a kid on GameCube. So, yeah, actually, ooh, I have I have a different answer. It's the uh, the shopkeeper from Resident Evil Four. He's the best. <laughs> <laughs> what you buying? Well, is he going to be? In, he's going to be in the remake, right? They got to have him there, yeah. right? Yes. Yes, absolutely. I mean, you know, I feel like even in Village, they had the, I don't remember his name, but the, the shopkeeper mm-hmm. big dude. I feel like that itself was an homage to the shopkeeper from 4. So uh, there would be a general outcry. There would be many Kotaku <laughs> articles written if they did the remake and didn't have him in there. So yeah. I think we'll get him. Yeah, for sure. For sure. All right. Well, enough of that daddling. Let's get into the format of the show. So if, if this is your first time joining us, uh, this is how it works. I'm going to breathe through things. John's going to be through three things and it can be anything it can be a video game we're playing a topic a news article an email to playstationpalspod at gmail.com any of those things we're going to bring bring them we're going to talk about them and uh, we got kind of a mixed bag this week as there's a little bit of news a little bit of games we play we've been playing and a little bit of topics so uh, i'm going to kick things off and we're going to talk about an announcement that just happened today earlier on the PlayStation blog is that they announced the new PlayStation Plus premium games. So if you're unfamiliar, if you subscribe to PlayStation Plus, there's two additional tiers. They're kind of like the Xbox Game Pass equivalent. Uh, They just rolled this out last month, and uh, this is the first batch of new games that they're bringing. Uh, They're not removing anything, so in that uh, blog post, they didn't mention they were going to remove anything, but I'm just going to kind of bring up the highlights here. So the big one that we've already known about is Stray. It's, it's going to be on the PlayStation Plus Extra tier day and date with its release. So if you're already subscribed, you're going to get that game for free. You don't have to buy it. And then they're also bringing in FF7 Integrade, the PS5 Upgrade, 
2 Final Fantasy 7 remake. And with that, they're going to bring the Yuffie DLC that uh, they just launched last year. That's going to be packaged with this. And then the other big Pretty game nice. is Marvel's Avengers, which has kind of been rocky. <laughs> Uh, it could be a good game. I haven't played it, so I don't have an honest opinion, but, you know, maybe I will now. Um, but I want to get your thoughts, John. There's also a handful of Assassin's Creed games, older games, Saints Row, and then a bunch of kid games. Um, I wanted to get your thoughts on what you think of uh, what they're dropping here in July. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, well, first off, everybody out there, I just want you all to know, Nick over here is probably the biggest Marvel fan I know. <laughs> and so the fact that he's not playing Avengers, I'm just going to say look into it before you say, oh, cool, an Avengers game. And honestly, if you're listening to this podcast, you probably already know <laughs> it's a little bit of a mixed bag, but um, just wanted to, to make that known. But I, I think overall, Nick, I think it's pretty solid. Um, honestly, you know, it's the first month that we're getting new games. So to kind of, you know, hit us with a, a brand new day and date release with Stray, uh, even though it is a little bit of a smaller title, I think is kind of a it's a good sign to people who have adopted this uh, from the get go that, hey, you know, we are going to give you some big hitters like Assassin's Creed, you know, things uh, things in franchises that we all all know. But also, you know, you might get the opportunity to play a game that. Uh, you might not have otherwise. You know, Stray, I think, is a is a pretty perfect choice for this in the fact that, you know, it's it's a little more double-A, a little more indie. You know, you play as a cat. doesn't, you know, there might not even be combat in the game. So it's, it's a game that, you know, I think there's going to be a decent amount of apprehension for amongst, uh, you know, mm -hmm. uh, just the general, pub the general public. And so to give people the opportunity to play it at, you know, free, free in quotes, right? We know, I know you have to upgrade for the, the perks, but... Um, you know, to just go in there and give it a shot is, is you know, I think a, a great thing and, um, you know, kind of telegraphs for potential months going forward that, you know, we might see a little bit more of this. Um, and then to couple it with the, you know, the big games, the big Assassin's Creed games, too, it's, you know, it's a nice little mix here. Um, I think it's definitely on par with what Game Pass is doing. You know, I, I don't want to... I don't know if we want to continuously draw comparisons to Game Pass or not, but obviously that's what this service is at the end of the day. And just looking briefly here with what Game Pass has, you know, they have three Yakuza games, Far Cry 5, and some indie games. So, you know, another kind of, you know, a decent amount of, of games from a series, maybe one other big game, and then some small stuff. So I think if they can keep that cadence, and again, you know, if you if you haven't played Final Fantasy VII at all, let alone the DLC like myself, then, you know, there's a little bit of something there for you there too. So, um, you know, if we're giving it a grade, I'm a grade, you know, I like to evaluate things. I would, I would say it's a B, it's a B, it's a B plus, which is, you know, uh, pretty good. It's pretty good. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm with you on that. Uh, my hope for the service is exactly what we're getting here is, Maybe a little more yeah. indie games, a little more newer indie games. But other than that, yeah, a new indie game coupled with a couple older big games, that's that's perfect. That's that's pretty much what this should be and is probably what there it is gonna be going forward. So this is this is a solid solid lineup. You know, like I said, it's just an added bonus to if you're not paying for it. Uh, but if if you are paying for it, it's an added bonus. But if you're not paying for it, this is just added on to, you know, the forty yeah subtract how deep you are into your subscription price to upgrade uh, this just adds to all the existing games because nothing's getting removed so this is now this is really solid i'm i'm really impressed with this so far 
Yeah, yeah, definitely. And um, just to kind of put a little more perspective on it, you know, I, I haven't subscribed to this service yet. I plan to eventually, um, you know, whenever the right month comes. But I did, uh, I did subscribe to Game Pass for a little bit earlier in the year. And what I was kind of surprised to find when I when I did that was, like you said, Nick, how how much I was drawn to the smaller titles, the indie titles that you know I might not have checked out otherwise. I wasn't I wasn't jumping on Game Pass to play, you know. Uh, Halo Infinite or Doom Eternal, not these big things, but like I found myself like, oh, what's the artful escape, right? This is it's this weird game that I've heard some people like, some people don't. I probably wouldn't pay money for it. Well, I booted it up and I played the whole thing in two days. It was pretty cool, mm-hmm. a nice short little experience. Yeah. So I think I think that people like yourself, right, that maybe don't typically focus on indie games, it's it's a great way to just get more eyeballs, get people to find that game that might, might surprise them and yeah. they look back on very fondly. So, yeah, yeah, it's good stuff. Yeah, to tie that to your earlier point, that's what Stray exactly is and why it fits so perfectly right. in this is not a lot of people are going to pay the $20 or the $15 that it costs up front, but now just yeah. as an added feature to a service you're already paying for or an added bonus to all the other things in the service, that's great, you know. Right. It's so... So far, so good. But uh, yeah, we're going to keep our eye on you know, the coming months for what's coming to the PlayStation Plus uh, extra tiers. Um, Definitely. So moving on, going by the clip that you heard at the beginning of this podcast. Uh, John, what is our next news item slash topic? Yeah, so I wanted to talk a little bit about kind of this, you know, similar to what I, we did last week talking about Ubisoft, um, kind of talk about Rockstar. Um, and the reason that Rockstar is the focus is that this week um, there's been some reporting coming out saying that uh, they're basically cutting all future updates to Red Dead 2 Online. Um, they There is a potential, you know, this hasn't been confirmed by Rockstar, but inside sources say that uh, they have shelved a potential next-gen port for GTA 4 and Red Dead 1. Um, and it just kind of got me thinking, you know, what is the trajectory of this studio? You know, I, I don't think anybody would argue saying that Grand Theft Auto, with maybe the exception of Call of Duty, is the biggest gaming franchise in the planet. We know how much GTA Five sold. We know how much money GTA Online brings. But it's just, it's upsetting for me, as somebody who doesn't particularly like living games and games as a service, that, you know, we're going down this trajectory where... You know, the biggest franchises and the biggest companies out there are just chasing dollars. And just wanted to kind of real quick here to kind of frame this, go over Rockstar's output from the first part of this, uh, I guess, century to the last 10 years. So from 2001 to 2010 and then from 2010 to now. And I'm not going to read all these, but... Or I guess I am gonna I am gonna read all these, but not all these are great games. But just kind of listen to this, Nick. It's it's pretty stunning, honestly. When I looked it up, so in two thousand one, we got Grand Theft Auto three, Smuggler's Run two, Max Payne one. Two thousand two, we get Statue or State of Emergency, Italian Job, and Vice City. You know, so huge game there with two whatevers. Two thousand three, we get Midnight Club two, Max Payne two, Manhunt. Then two thousand four, we get Red Dead Revolver, GTA San Andreas. 2005, Midnight Club 3, uh, The Warriors, GTA Liberty City Stories. 2006, Bully, uh, GTA Vice City Stories. 2007, Manhunt 2. 2008, Grand Theft Auto 4, Midnight Club 
uh, Los Angeles, 2009, uh, GTA 4, Ballad of Gay Tony, GTA 4, Lost in the Damned, GTA The Chinatown Wars, and then in 2010, Red Dead Redemption 1 and Red Dead Redemption Undead, Undead Nightmare, uh, all within that period. So, you know, a good 15 to 20 games, some absolute legendary games in there with some middling stuff, right? And then from 2010 until now, we got L.A. Noir in 2011, we got Max Payne 3 in 2012, and then we got GTA 5 in 2013, and Red Dead 2 in 2018. So down to four games. <laughs> and I understand games are more complex than they've ever been. They're more detailed. It requires more people to make these experiences. I understand we're never going to have a situation where we're getting three Grand Theft Auto games in a four-year span. But it just worries me when you get these games that come out like Red Dead Redemption 2, unbelievably acclaimed, some people's favorite game of all time. And so, and then to go into this online service where obviously you would hope as a fan they're going to feed off the, the success that they've built from Grand Theft Auto Online and implement into Red Dead 2. And it just seems to have been abandoned. And it's not like these people playing this game have been quiet. They've been clamoring and asking Rockstar for a long time hey, can we get some updates? Like, can we get the level of commitment that you guys have given to Grand Theft Auto into us? And maybe not that same level, but at least make it seem like you care. And for the company to kind of basically just come out and say, look, uh, we're not going to do any more updates. Um, we got to work on GTA 6. It's just a little, you know, it's a, it, it feels a little gross to me. Um, you know, Rockstar is a team of 2,000 people. Um, you know, and I understand GTA 6 is going to be, it's going to probably have the biggest scope of maybe any game ever. I, I'm not going to deny that that game's not going to be great, but it's just in an age where we see all these 1.5 teams, these, you know, big companies like Naughty Dog seemingly having three teams going at one time. It's, you know, it's just at some point, I feel like it's, it's important for a company to stop chasing dollars, stop trying to do whatever makes them the absolute most amount of money. And like, hey, we're going to have a team of 30 to 40 guys that are just focused on, you know, another small bully title, maybe bringing bully over to next gen consoles, you know, doing these little remasters, just kind of trying to appease those people who maybe aren't into Rockstar games because they're these living, breathing service things. And, um, you know, it just seems like I don't know if it's because it is a dollar thing. Maybe they got scared off from, you know, the disastrous reception of the GTA trilogy that was released um, last year. But, you know, that was a half-assed product through and through. So if they're taking if the, uh, you know, lesson they learned from those games was like, oh, people don't like tri or remasters, then they're dead wrong. They just don't like half-assed things. So, um <laughs> Yeah, I just, you know, I kind of wanted to just, you know, get that out there because, I, and I'm not even the biggest Rockstar fan. I just, I see it time and time again within this industry that these companies are just, you know, going after whatever the next trend is, you know, free to play, microtrans, you know, started kind of with microtransactions back in the day and then getting into free to play and yada, yada, yada. I just don't want to see a situation 10, 15 years from now where, you know, the, the uh, niche titles are just single player. Uh, things that you know don't generate money for 15 plus years but um you know i don't really have any questions lined up for you nick but i mean if you have any if you have any thoughts on all that or like you know what you kind of think you know because i know you are a big rock star fan yep. so you know what do you kind of want to see from the company going forward and does it make you nervous a little bit seeing these these kind of statements come out you know well uh, yeah well you're not alone on this uh Aside from Electronic Arts on Reddit, uh, especially Reddit Gaming, Rockstar is probably the second most hated company on there. 
uh, because they're not releasing more games and uh, no. doing things like you know canceling all these ports. So, so I have had a lot of time to think of this, but sometimes you know it's the reality of the situation. Not only did GTA Five sell a lot, GTA Five is the second most highest selling game of all time, mm-hmm. 150 right. plus million copies, and Red Dead Two also sold 40 million copies. These are huge blockbuster games. They're amazing, and they take time to make now. That's just the reality of it. We're not going to get, you know, four Grand Theft Autos uh, in the spirit in the you know several year period like we used to anymore. Um, and then on top of that. Because Grand Theft Auto V selling so much, all their time in the last you know ten years or so has been on Grand Theft Auto Online. Like Grand Theft Auto Online, from the time GTA V started, where they they gave everyone a million dollars because it was crap at the beginning. You know, the the first few months of that were really rocky. To what you can do in Grand Theft Auto V Online now and what all the content that's in there, it's incredible. That's where all that time and money's going, and. I know I don't like it, you don't like it, but that's just the reality. That's where the players are. They're the ones spending all the money on all the shark cards, trying to you know buy all the fancy cars and the the, the, the motorcycle that's also flies and all that other stuff. So that's where all that development time's going. Um, so they've been busy. It's just I understand the frustration. I just I understand the reality. Grand Theft Auto V is so successful. Grand Theft Auto V Online is so successful. So why they they might as well like nobody bought Red Dead Un- Undead Nightmare. Nobody bought GTA Four: The Lost and the Damned. You know so you know yeah. people spoke with their wallet as much as the vocal minority on the internet likes to say, and even Red Dead Redemption Two Online. Is anyone talking about that? Is anyone playing it? No, they're still going back to Grand Theft Auto Five online, including myself. I played Grand Theft Auto Five online more recently than I played Red Dead Two online, and I love Red Dead Redemption Two. So, yeah, no, I, I, I definitely agree with a lot of the points you said. But do you not think, especially for a company like Rockstar, right? They have so much money <laughs> that it's not it's not beneficial to at least you know respect your fan base enough to. You know, again, 2,000 employees, man. I mean, you know, FromSoft, the game or the the, um, team that just made Elden Ring, which anybody who's played that game knows how massive that is. They have 300 people. (laughs) And it's just, it's just, you know, it's just, I, I wish there's a world where, you know, companies would maybe eat a little bit of, of profit to just try and make as many of <laughs> as much of their fan base as happy. And and I know that's unrealistic. It's just it seems like if it's just getting closer and closer and closer to the reality that like now Rockstar is just the Grand Theft Auto company. Um, no, Ubisoft is just the Assassin's Creed company. <laughs> no, I mean uh, you know and Guerrilla Games. Guerrilla's just the Horizon team. And I don't like that man. I, right. I, I you know it's just. And luckily, we have indie indie developers out there that are kind of giving us those unique experiences. We're going to talk about one of those here in a little bit going forward. But it's just, you know, it's, it's you know, I think you're right. You know, I think it's the reality of the situation, and I have to adapt to it. But God damn it, I don't like it. Yeah, yeah. So the, the point <laughs> so, you're making is how I always think of Valve. Like, Valve has Steam, the PC marketplace, and they make yeah. insane amount of money. They're not a public company, so we don't actually know. But you make all this money. You're telling me you can't develop Half-Life 3. Portal Three, right. uh, Left 4 Dead right. Three, uh, Team Fortress Three, like like you, can't, <laughs> you know, a new Counter Strike, all these different things, like the, you, yeah. these the beloved properties that would probably make their money back, like unless they're stinkers, but right. 
like that's kind of the other thing too. Is like, do you not think a remaster of GTA Four and Red Dead would sell anything less than fifteen million copies? Like, you know, if you break away some people to do it, you're gonna make a profit. And it's just, I don't know. It's just, it's just weird, man. It's weird to me. Yeah, I don't. I mean, again, I don't. We don't know the realities of development. Another thing we're gonna talk about later that the making games is very hard. Uh, yeah. So I don't know why these studios aren't willing to place these bets, especially when you have su- such incredible uh, profits coming from your other games and your other services that you would think that they would place a small bet on having a studio bring these older titles to modern consoles or you know, or putting more content into Red Dead, even if you know, maybe not everyone's gonna be playing it, but you know, I don't I don't know. I you know, yeah. business and men are making this decision, and um, and I and I guess the the my final point on this is hopefully maybe hopefully Grand Theft Auto Six is like the most amazing thing on the planet, like that yeah. <laughs> that will shut everybody I mean, up the, if that happens. I mean, that's that, it's it's not necessary. Obviously, that game's gonna sell no matter what. But it's just like yeah, if it's not. And that, because that's the reason that they pulled all their teams off of everything. It's just right. like, no, we have to focus on GTA 6. We realize the expectations. But, like, there also is a future that Grand Theft Auto 6 is just Grand Theft Auto Online, you know? And so, mm-hmm. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully, there's still the dedication to this, to the single player story, mm-hmm. um, you know, because that's the only reason I would ever pick up one of those games. I don't want to, I don't want to play a game for years and years and years. Yeah. But again, I'm, I am becoming an old man who is not hip and cool and definitely doesn't <laughs> do all the things that all the other kids are doing. So, you know, I guess that's just something I have to come to terms well, with. Well, to, to, to be fair, your Grand Theft Auto single player was never your thing either. Um, Shh, they're not supposed <laughs> to know that, Nick. That's fine. There's nothing wrong with yeah. that. You're not the only one. Yeah. But say, like, you know, The Last of Us multiplayer is, is your thing, you know, yeah. then then you'd be on the other side of the fence be like, oh, yeah, we want more content on here. Don't. I don't know if you'd ever say no to another Naughty Dog single player game. I don't think that's ever possible in lieu of more no. content for a, a multiplayer game that you were really into. But, uh, no, it's not possible. <laughs> no. No. But uh, yeah, I still think that yeah, their focus right now is like I, like I mentioned, Grand Theft Auto Online for five was 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 didn't didn't hit the ground running. It was really bad. Um, so I imagine they want to hit the ground running on everything because yeah, right. all eyes are on Rockstar. They're probably the, the biggest game developer out there right now. Um, that's why they're falling under so much scrutiny. And while we're bummed that we're not getting the passion projects that we want. Uh, if Grand Theft Auto 6 is great, then all is forgiven. Yep. What have you done for me lately? And if they do <laughs> yeah. that well, then we're good. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Exactly. Cool. <laughs> all right, Nick, you want to take us into your second topic? Yeah. So we're going to go into kind of some games we're playing. And uh, I recently played and completed The Quarry. This is uh, from Supermassive Games. They kind of did the the 2015 Until Dawn. Uh, in between that time, they've also done a bunch of smaller games in the same vein, the Dark Pictures Anthology. And uh, basically, they're, just, they're movie games, uh, kind of like the Netflix Bandersnatch, uh, where you can you kind of choose your path, you're kind of playing through a movie. Uh, there's little minimal to no gameplay, um, and you kind of, through decisions, determine how the story plays out. Um, and kind of just like Until Dawn, there's a lot of similarities here. You know, they got the all-star cast. This The Corey stars like Justice Smith from Detective Pikachu, David Arquette, you know, Lance Hendrickson from 
Henriksen from Aliens and Ted Raimi. So a lot, so a lot of familiar faces here. Um, and I really enjoyed the game a lot. Uh, what they're doing with facial capture and animation is incredible. Um, I think the story is more consistent this time around. Uh, they kind of simplified all the QTE stuff, so there's only kind of a couple now. You have your normal QTE, you have a hold your breath mini game, which is just hold the X button down and release it. Uh, they kind of have these little third-person combat encounters where you just kind of got to shoot, shoot something or not shoot it. Uh, it might be moving or not. And then they have this interruption mechanic where you can kind of interrupt where the story's going right now and interject yourself in there. Um, but there's not a lot of people doing games like this and not definitely not to this quality of like acting and uh, voice work and overall, you know, uh, production value. But uh, it was it was it was great. I, I had a good time with it. It was about 15 hours. Um, I do have a unless do you got a question, John? Yeah, kind of. So I guess it, it seemed like this was kind of a proving game for Supermassive, right? <laughs> Is that you know until until Dawn came out and it it was one of those water cooler kind of games, I think, that just kind of gained, gained a little bit of steam as more people started to talk about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, so people got really excited about, okay, well, what are they going to do next? And then they come out with the Dark Pictures Anthology games, which I've heard some people like them, but in I don't think there's anybody out there that would say they're a step up from Until Dawn. So, you know, it was refreshing to see that this game came out and it got received about as well as Until Dawn did. So I guess my question for you, Nick, is do you think that that Supermassive has found their footing and that they have a bright future ahead of them? Or do you think that they are going to be kind of this up-and-down studio that just sometimes hits it and sometimes doesn't? So I haven't played the other games, the Man of Medans and uh, the other titles in the Dark Picture Anthology. And I'm, my guess is its budget is the the difference here. So when they're given a decent right. budget to get these to get these actors, to get the correct... the put the time into the performance capture. Uh, 2K is publishing this one. So they had 2K's money, the Grand Theft Auto money, as they will. Um, so they were able to put that, that time and energy into this. And I think that's probably not, as from what I can just tell from the trailers and what I've seen of the, old, the, the games that have been in between is that they're smaller titles, they're shorter. Um, it's kind of, you know, there's not a lot of multiple paths like in this game. There's supposedly 186 different endings you can get in this game. So it seems like if they have the money and someone's willing to buy it, like hopefully they just got bought by, was it Nordisk? Is the Yeah, Nordisk. By yeah. Nordisk. If Nordisk is willing to give them the time and energy into every title, and, and again, they, they keep perfecting it. Like the difference between this and Until Dawn are, is really apparent. Um, the story's yeah. tighter. The, you know, like you said, the the capture's better. The the the, the detail on the characters' faces is better. So it can only get better, you know. So, yeah, I think uh, I think they're on. They're at a good spot that everyone should be at least watching them and watching their titles because, you know, they keep they keep getting better and better. Um, with that being said. It would be really nice if they got away from the horror setting. Uh, if, <laughs> okay. if you played Until Dawn, there is a lot of similar plot points. Uh, the game starts with two characters that something happens to. Um, you're having, there's Wendigos and Until Dawn, there's werewolves in this. Uh, there's a mysterious third party in both games that you, oh, you don't know what they're doing. 
Um, there's the chapter interludes uh, in Until Dawn. You would meet Peter Stormare, who was kind of a psychologist, like trying to get your read on things. You have a, a, a similar character in this in between each chapter. Um, and then the setting is very similar, where Until Dawn was set in a massive cabin with kind of like sub cabins and other areas. It was a ski resort. And then same thing here. You're on a summer camp, which has multiple cabins and, you know, the, the woods and everything else. So, boy, if they could just get to maybe even just step away from horror and just tell either a sci-fi story or just a, just a regular, maybe similar to kind of Life is Strange story that's not so heavy on the Monster of the Week thing. Um, yeah. I would be I would be more excited for that. I, it's, I don't know why they keep choosing to do monsters for every one of their games but um yeah i mean yeah even even breaching into uh into the dark pictures games and also they've done some vr games i know the inpatient uh was their first vr game and that was supposed to be an until dawn kind of spin-off so even that was horror i think the only thing that they've done was bravo team for psvr which uh is a shooter but by all accounts i've heard that's one of the worst vr games out there <laughs> um so yeah maybe they just yeah, they just they they are comfortable in that that setting, comfortable. You know, I guess are there are there gameplay mechanics in the quarry that you think could only work for for a horror game? Because I remember at least in Until Dawn, there was moments where you couldn't move your controller, and I'm sure there's clever ways to make that you know that kind of thing not horror related. But um, yeah, just I wonder what type of interactivity there could be for something you know with uh, like sci-fi or something. I, I don't I don't know. Well, yeah, I think like once you, like the the horror element, yeah, you have to hide, right? Your character's always hiding, uh-huh. so they have the hold your breath mechanic here and the don't move your controller mechanic and uh, until dawn. But if if say I don't know, maybe you're like a worker, you're you work in space, maybe like just keeping your character steady while like welding in space or welding underwater. Yeah. You know, there's so many different gameplay elements that can come from. I'm not always running from a monster and having to shoot it. You know, so. You know, yeah. I just think it's something they should explore because I think, yeah, that's been their output, you know, ever ever since Until Dawn has been horror game after horror game after horror game after horror game. And it, and like I said, with the similarity, similarities that this has to Until Dawn, it's like maybe you should branch out a little bit and a little different of genres, you know. Um, yeah, it's almost like they would need to, I wonder, like, you know, now that and maybe now that they're bought, they can hire up a little bit and get some people that have a little more combat slash gameplay experience and kind of meld some some of the, you know, obviously they got the storytelling down, but meld like a little more uh, kinetic gameplay into something mm-hmm. that can be. That could be something real special, yeah. Yeah. I can see that. Yeah, so it's a good game. I don't know if I would pay because it is a $70 game. I'll put that out there. Uh, I would not pay $70 for it. Uh, you can, I mean, you can play through it multiple times. There's definitely, you're, it gets time well spent if you plan on playing through it multiple times. But uh, I imagine this will show up on PlayStation Plus Extra Tier. It is. It would be perfect yeah. for an October game uh, Yeah. To do, for them to do that. So, uh, so yeah, good game. Uh, just... You know, not a lot of people are doing this, so if, if it's your mm-hmm. thing, try it out. You, you just sparked an idea, Nick, is, you know, cause, uh, spoiler alert, I'm, I'm planning on playing this game soon as well. Um, I might want to just wait till October. Like that, <laughs> I feel like that might not be a bad move. It's not too far away. It'll, you know, I'll, I'll be getting the vibes of Halloween. I might, I might do that. I don't know. I'll have to think about it. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's yeah. the perfect game for that. So, yeah. But uh, cool. we'll move on. Uh, you played a game, John. 
What did you play? Yes, I did. So uh, this will be a quick one. You know, I don't have a ton to say, but I, I would be remiss if I didn't mention it. So back in 2015, uh, there was a little game that came out that kind of caught a lot of people by surprise. Uh, it's got a 93 on Metacritic, which is ab- or Open Critic, which is absolutely insane. And that game is Undertale. <laughs> um, I've owned this game for probably a couple years now. I would say three or four games. I'm I'm a recovering purchase games when they're on sale addict. That I'm trying to <laughs> I'm trying to change that. And so I've I've been sitting on this game for a long, long time. And recently got my little platinum itch on, so I was just kind of scrolling through the games I've owned and decided on one of my days off that I was going to just try to do this again. Because probably about a year or two ago, I booted it up, and and anybody who's played this game would tell you that it's a little bit jarring when you open it up. It's 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 a 2D role-playing game, and so you you go you get into the game, and you're this little pixel-based character walking around this very plain-looking black background and talking to very strange characters and then you get into a fight and and I'll talk about that here a little bit but needless to say I put it down when I booted this up the other day I played through the entire game in one sitting and got the platinum in one sitting I liked it that much Um, so this game is developed by a guy named Toby Fox Uh, he is a single developer he's the only person who worked on this game with the exception of uh, an artist who helped him with some of the character design so he programmed it he wrote it he did the music for it and he was only 24 years old which is insane Um, but this game hits on every single front it's the music is some of the best music I've heard in the game in a long, long time. The story is actually thoughtful. That makes you kind of contemplate what you're doing throughout the game. Um, the humor. I was belly laughing, you know, which is a hard feat to do in video games going through this game. I just couldn't put it down. I actually liked the characters that I was interacting with. And just to kind of give a little bit basic overview of the game for those who haven't played it is, again, it is a 2D role-playing game. So you're kind of just going from screen to screen. You know, think... NES maybe is probably the closest system that for like the graphics, um, but you you come across characters and you can get through the entire game by fighting. You can get through the entire game by talking to to enemies. So um, you you get into a counter and it'll be like, okay, do you want to fight them or do you want to act upon them? And so you can hit the act button. And just to kind of give a little example of the flavor of this game, you know, one of the fights right is I, I approach a monster and it's a a ripped horse mermaid creature, right? <laughs> and and he's and he's like getting the he's getting like the bodybuilding poses on, right? So you can kind of he's got like the Fabio hair. He looks really silly, and so I hit act, and I'm like, okay, what are my options here? You're always going to get different options for the characters you're fighting. That kind of relates to that character, and so that my option was to talk or to flex, and so I was like, well, yeah, okay, I'm going to flex. And so I flex on the, the other character, and he flexes right back. He's like, I, oh, this character won't be showing up. He flexes. And so then I get it back. I flex again. He's like, oh, he flexes even harder. I'm like, okay, where is this going? So I flex again. And then the, the commentary is like, oh, he flexed so hard, he, he, he flexed out of the screen. And the little character just flies away and says, you won the fight. And I'm like, what the hell is going on? And it's just so creative the way that – it subverts your expectations into thinking what this game is going to be, how it, you know, it's going to be this little, you know, uh, 
rhythm based you know like when you get into an actual fight with somebody these lines come across the screen and you got to hit them at the right moment if you hit it right in the middle it does more damage and then you have this little box that appears underneath the uh, enemy design that kind of turns into this little bullet hell thing where you have a little heart that you control uh, to dodge at a various uh, pellets and things that are flying at your character and they eventually implement more and more um, you know, kind of mechanics into it where there's some, you know, certain things that fly at you that are blue that, you know, you can't move. Otherwise, those will hurt you. So you kind of got to play around with that a little bit. But, you know, it's just the overall package, man, where I... It's, it's, it's rare that a game will come across that really sticks with you and really kind of want... You really want to know everything about it. And this was one of those games. It's, you know, it's like in that journey territory, right? Where it's... it's I've never played anything like this. And it's just... You know, it's fantastic from top to bottom. So I, I wanted to talk about it today, you know, because anybody who's ever had ever heard of this game, you know, who knows about it, who maybe had reservations about playing it, I promise you, if you get through this or if you give it a fair shake, I, I would be surprised if you walk away from it because it really is just that unique and that special of an experience that, you know, I don't think I'll ever play anything like it again and you know that's both sad and and cool in the same way and so you know toby fox is definitely somebody who's gotten my my respect and i would i'm more than happy to support his projects going forward and i kind of understand now because every once in a while i'll see something that's like oh toby fox is doing music for x game and i'm like what you mean the guy who did that weird little pixel you know sprite-based thing and like well yeah i understand why as you guys will hear uh spoiler alert one of the songs i think you're gonna hear later is from this game it's fantastic um but i just had to shout it out because it truly is a 93 it truly is something that uh you know deserves everybody's attention and uh hopefully i can convince nick to play it (laughs) um you know we'll see because he typically doesn't like these smaller games but um anybody out there on the fence on with with it definitely give it a shot uh you know and it's going to age timelessly this game will never feel dated it'll never feel old because of the style that it inhibits and uh yeah man truly one of those one of those truly special games yeah it's it's an incredible story all around it's you know a single guy makes a game and it's a 93 that's that's incredible that's insane that's incredible yeah. um yeah, and it's it's so great to hear that you like it and hear, you know, someone in person telling me about it other than, you know, kind of when you hear about things like this on the internet when the the fan base is kind of like Rick and Morty where they kind of just like <laughs> love it so much, they're really intense about it that it's actually kind of turning <laughs> off other people. And I love this and if you don't <laughs> love it, you're a piece of shit. Oh, how could you not love this? Yeah, and you yeah. and you maybe get like a short clip and you're you know, you're listening to, uh, you know, uh, Rick just burp and and, and <laughs> be gross all the time. You're like, I don't understand what's here. And the same thing here, you know, you pull, okay, everyone loves this game. Let me pull up a clip. And you're like, what? what the hell is that? What? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You're, you're using a little heart to dodge things. That's how you fight yep. in this game? Mm, I don't know about that. Mm-hmm. You know, so, like, it's nice to finally have somebody that I know that's played it and is like, hey. This is a once-in-a-lifetime experience, you know. It, it is, man. It is. And, and just one other little encounter that, you know, each encounter is unique. You know, it's not your typical RPG where you're running into a Zubat a thousand times, right? Or a slime from Dragon Quest. You're, every encounter is different. And uh, 
there's one where this little dog kind of comes across. I'm like, okay, it's a little puppy. Like, I love dogs. That's cool. And, like, the action on that one is pet, right, as you would assume. And you pet him, and he gets so excited, and his head grows a little taller. And you're like, well, that's weird. I'm going to pet him again. His head grows a little bit taller. You keep petting this dog. His head goes off the screen, and then you continuously pet him. And then his head turns back around in, like, a U-bend and starts coming <laughs> down the screen. And he's just got his goofy little smile out the whole time until eventually the, the game is telling you, be like, yo, you got to stop. You have a problem. Stop petting this dog. And it's just it's little things like that, man, that you just don't come across anywhere else. And uh, you really can kind of see the into the mind of this creator because I, I also think like that's just the kind of dialogue and kind of things that don't come out when you get a collaborative because mm-hmm. you know you get you get enough people into a room you know there's going to be a naysayer here or there there's going to be somebody that wants to play it a little bit safe um, so you you know to get somebody who has a vision Ian X's vision and you know for everybody thank God you know it's it's as good as it is and we all get to enjoy it you know it's um yeah it's something. You know, I, I, and it's it's pretty replayable too. You know, I, like I said, you can kill everybody. You get a genocide run, which gives you different endings. You can do a pacifist run, which gives you different endings. And the story itself is pretty impactful too. So, um, I'll stop gushing about it now. But yeah, everybody else, man, go go play that game. Yeah, I think as we talk about what makes a green a great a great game is attention to detail. And when you're saying you have a this boss fight that has this really unique mechanic. You know, you just know, like, Toby went over and poured over this game. Every little detail is is thought yeah. out, and every little detail is, has his touch on it to make it the whole game unique. Um, yeah, that's pretty incredible. Do you – you? I, I think you mentioned what is he working on next. Does he have another game coming? So for a while now, he's been working on uh, something called Delta Rune, which, you know, uh, is for those puzzle fans out there, is Undertale. It's a, di- you know, I don't, anagram, I think is the right one, where it's all uh, spelled differently, or, you know, the letters are changed around. But he released Chapter 1 and Chapter 2 of those games. Uh, chapter 1, I believe, was in 2018, uh, and Chapter 2 was last year. Um, but I think he's got a little bit more ambitious. He's getting a little bit more ambitious, so he started to uh, hire people and get a team mm-hmm. to help develop it for him. Um, but actually, yeah, looking at it now, it says once all chapters are complete, the game will be released as one whole package. Uh, he stated he does not have an anticipated timetable for completion. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is planned to only have one ending, blah, 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 regardless of choices. So, yeah, he is working on a follow-up to it. it you know, it's it looks like, you know, if this is the NES version... Uh, this looks like the SNES version, a little more color, a little bit more hmm. fleshed out. Um, you know, not not crazy, but like a little bit. You can tell it's a, it's an update. So, um, haven't checked those out yet. Uh, I do actually have Delta Rune installed on my Switch. So one of these days, when I'm you know looking for that kind of thing again, I'll jump into it. But um, you know, yeah, he's uh, definitely and he's you know now he's only thirty. So God willing, he likes making games <laughs> and he wants to just keep doing it. And you know, we might have you know. 30, 30 years of Toby Fox games. Yeah. So we'll see. And, and yeah, once once you have a successful game, it's like he has all the time in the world to you know to make yeah. the game. Like he's his bills are paid for quite a while. So, oh yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> all right. So cool. so moving on, I wanted to talk about a a documentary called Raising Kratos. Uh, this was released on PlayStation's YouTube channel on May tenth of twenty nineteen. That kind of goes over. <clears throat> The development of the uh, 2018's God of War from conception to uh, to final product to the game being released and all the accolades it received. Um, 
I know you watched it too, John. Uh, I got a couple of thoughts I wanted to bring up, but uh, what did you think of the documentary overall? Because I thought it was quite excellent. Uh, it was a great little vision into how games are made. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I definitely, uh, I thoroughly enjoyed it, you know, uh, I, if you guys haven't caught on yet, we like God of War, so, um, <laughs> you know, needless to say, it was the perfect game for me to kind of dive into, or to get that experience with, because it was a game I genuinely love and genuinely, you know, uh, am happy to hear all the fine little details, but to kind of be able to follow a game director around, you know, Corey Barlog being the, uh, the director here was pretty pretty cool because it just really showed you how what his job is you know you don't really understand what a director does until you just kind of watch them they're just basically checking on all the pieces making sure that we're hitting our deadlines making sure um that the vision is intact and uh you know it was, it was kind of a cool thing to see that they had the foresight to put a camera crew with these guys while they're making this you know new change in this mm-hmm. new game and um you know, and Corey himself is kind of one of those guys that's just fun to watch. You know, it's like Tim Schafer being another example in the industry of just like these kind of, you know, you can tell they're good dudes um, and have all the passion in the world behind what they're doing. Um, you know, so to kind of see them get through all the struggles that they did, you know, one moment that really sticks out for me is when they were playtesting the game in the early stages and pretty much all the feedback they were getting was that Atreus was basically OP. <laughs> and that was up, up to that point, like the entire game was designed around Atreus. So they had to have a coming to Jesus. Like, do we stick with our vision or do we have to like, you know, cut this this guy and start from zero and then just you know to watch them struggle with these decisions internally to pull it off and release one of the best reviewed games of all time and you know if anybody's never seen it the youtube video of cory barlog watching the moment that he sees the god of war review scores for the first time is is one of those very wholesome videos mm-hmm. just makes you feel good uh, and they had that in there too which was i was happy to see so yeah, I, I hope to see more of these style documentaries. I mean, I think something like a Last of Us one would be super interesting, you know, with how, you know, maybe not the Last of Us specifically, but like something like that, mm-hmm. right? You know, watching Troy Baker and, and Ashley Johnson, you know, act together because we've seen time and time again, they truly have a special relationship and, and they're both fantastic at what they do. Like that would be some interesting behind the scenes stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm hoping that, you know, we get more of these in the future and um yeah, for couldn't couldn't happen to a better game for me. Yeah, I mean the foresight because the last game Sony Santa Monica released was 2014's uh, God of War Ascension, you know, which was not a well received game, and then to have the foresight to be like, hey, let's record the cameras, and then, hey, we're gonna go wildly and re- kind of soft reboot this game, and then have it pay off in such big big way. Like you could, no one could foreshadow what would have happened, you know. Well, no. You know, from the start of that game where they're talking about like, oh, I don't know if we want to do God of War till oh, here's us all accepting our game of a game of the year award at <laughs> the game awards is like, whoa, yeah, that's right. that's incredible. Um, yeah. Yeah. And just seeing like what game development's like, you know, seeing Corey Barlog walk around and seeing seeing all the, the game te- uh, game developers, or the combat developers. Oh, here's the person programming the Valkyries in the game. Oh, here's this girl. She programs all the kill animation on the witches. You know, she's, yeah. you know, seeing them, you know, take these animations and fit it into comment encounters. And then, yeah, like you said, seeing the QA testers play the game and watch a QA tester try and kill Atreus as Kratos. Like, <laughs> you just, it's just, you got to laugh, yeah. like, because they got to think of these things, you know, like, they got to think like, hey, someone out there is going to try and hurt 
Atreus as Kratos, like some some sick fuck out there, you know. So <laughs> so it's always great right. to see that. And then kind of the other thing that really stands out, and we've kind of seen before, going back to Last of Us with Troy Baker and Ashley Johnson, when they talk about these characters, uh, I really wanted to focus on the one Christopher Judge talked about Kratos, and they kind of get into their personal life of like, you know, the things that they pull on to, to play these characters, and and him and uh, Danielle Basuti, who plays Freya, they, they're brought to tears when they talk about like the personal relationships and their own personal life that they bring to these characters and how they use those to to put themselves in the role of these characters. You know, to watch them just it breaks them to tears. Like that's how devoted these people mm-hmm. are and how personally connected they are to these characters. It's incredible. It's it's it makes me tear up. It's like wow, like <laughs> and you understand yeah, why the performances are so strong. You can really see the passion, and I'm sure that that is not a coincidence on the final product of the game, and, and not and not just not just the actors, man. I mean, they were the, the the three big it seemed like executives that they followed around were was Corey Barlog, the director, uh, Yumi Yang, and Shannon Studstill, who are I don't know their official titles, but I want to say just you know executive producer mm-hmm. type people, right? Yep. And and they talked to them throughout the whole thing too on just like the amount of sacrifice, like you know, what did you have to sacrifice to make this game? And like literally, Shannon had to say like, I don't want to answer that question right now as she started to tear up. And you can see, you know, kind of looking into it a little bit more is because they're starting to question: Am I spending too much time away from my family, from my kids? You know, is this worth it? Am I doing the right thing? You know, bringing in yeah that that humanity into the experience, I think, allowed the humanity of Kratos to come out a little bit more and really tell a story that resonated with, you know, everybody, but a lot, you know, parents, not parents especially, but you know what I'm saying. And, uh, yeah, it's just, they, they had the dream team and the dream scenario and they took the right risks and it just, it was, it worked, all worked out, man. Yeah. It's excellent. Again, like as you get frustrated with game development, uh, or you just want to watch a really cool documentary about an amazing game, check this out. It's free on YouTube. It runs about two hours. Uh, it's just incredible since you know you know how the story plays out on top of everything. So so definitely check it out if you're interested. Uh, it, it was a great watch. I, I speak for both yeah. of us. We both enjoyed it. Well, one last thing, too. I, I was really happy to see that they kind of had a big section in there about the E3 demo, um, which is one of my favorite video game memories in general. You know, if anybody watched that, that was with the live orchestra, and it was the first mm-hmm. time they showed the game, and the whole staff was so scared. Like, they all got, they all went to the show, and they're nervous about how people are going to receive it. And just to see that, you know, Corey's actually playing the game on stage, and when Kratos shows his face, and the entire people, like, the entire crowd just erupts, and, like, you see the smiles on everybody's face. It's like, you almost, you almost feel like you're a part of their team. Like, and just the justification and the, the hard work paid off for you, too even though it didn't so yeah cool stuff man yep incredible so moving on final topic of the week bring it john yeah so i just wanted to uh you know do a little bit of ranking here so you know i I like to i like ranking i like numbers i like that kind of stuff so you know this might not be the the last time we do this but uh, i wanted to see if we could uh 
you know, have kind of a, our top five Sony first party teams, you know, and this isn't any based on any specific metric. This is just how our specific, you know, how, how you feel in your balls, you know, like what, what's the best team out there? You know, who who is the most important? Do they make the best games? Whatever you want to bring to the table, Nick, whatever reasoning you, you know, picked for yours, you know, we'll kind of go with because there's no rhyme or reason to any of this. But we decided to go with five. Uh, we were going to do every first party team. But what I realized when I was starting to fill that out is just you, you start to get to like you know, London Studio and Media Molecule, who really hasn't made much in a long time, and Polyphony Digital, who only makes Gran Turismo. It's just, it's hard to compare teams like that because inevitably you're just going to be biased towards what you like. So mm-hmm. I'm just going to limit it to the top five. And, uh, you know, and if, if I uh, if I have one, Nick, you know, shout it out and, you know, vice versa to you. Yep. Um, but do you want to go ahead and start with your number five? Yeah, I am going to start with my number five, and it is because they make the best PlayStation 5 exclusive uh, called mm-hmm. Astro's Playroom. It, <laughs> like, is the best uh, game on PlayStation 5. And, and I mean, only releasing on PlayStation 5. So Horizon doesn't count, and, you know, upcoming God of War does count. And this, Demon Souls would like a word with you. <laughs> it is better. I haven't played Demon Souls, so of course I can make that. Yeah. But so Team Asobi, they are the developers of this. They're kind of. A little bit of uh, unsung heroes here because not only is Astro's Playroom the the shit of a game to launch on your console. Like I know I, I roll my eyes every time a Reddit thread pops up that's like you guys should really play Astro's Playroom. It's like yeah, everyone knows that by now. Okay, no you shit, get a PlayStation idiot. Five, you're you're playing this game, but <laughs> but th- it is an amazing, amazing game. It's just it's a short experience. It catalogs all the things great about PlayStation. It introduces you to the dual sense. Like, if you want to see what that thing can do, play that game because you're going to see everything on display there. It is it is fantastic game. It's, like I said, in my opinion, the best game on PlayStation 5 right now. I, you should be playing it, uh, and it's free. Um, and, that's, yeah. and, I, and I haven't played all their other games. You know, I know they released, you know, the VR, the VR game that everyone loves. So... But I just want to, I'm just really excited. If they say their next game is coming, which is probably coming to PlayStation VR, uh, I'm really excited. Like, that that might get me in right there to get the buy-in to PlayStation VR if Team Asobi has a, has a game coming with it. So, Yeah, man. You, uh, you nailed it. I also have Team Asobi as my number five. <laughs> um, so, good pick. You know, we're on the same page there. Um, yeah, everything you said, absolutely. You know, to this date, there is not a better game that implements the dual sense into the game. And I really hope that, you know, some other developers start taking notice of what they did. But, yeah, they're, they're just a, they're really an up-and-coming team. And I, I am a person who played Astro's uh, Ask you, Astrobot Rescue Mission VR, whatever There it is, it is. yeah, that's it. Uh, as Rescue Mission, yeah. It, it's probably the best game I've ever played on VR. It's... You know, it's so creative. It it plays with the structure of a 3D platformer that we've been used to since Super Mario 64. You know, with the addition of the VR headset, you're able to move your head around this virtual space and allow to see hidden secrets and things around corners that you wouldn't be able to see otherwise if it was just a static camera. And you can just really see how much this team oozes with creativity and, you know, thinking outside the box with some of their ideas. Um, 
So definitely, definitely really excited for whatever Team Asobi is working on next. And it makes it a little bit easier because this is basically what Japan Studio died for, right? Is, is they got transitioned into Team Asobi. I think once Sony realized the potential of the Astrobot franchise, you know, it's, is it going to be the next Mar- Is it going to be Sony's Mario? No, but it, it honestly is that good that it could be. Um, you know, if they are able to ratchet what they did, you know, whether it's a VR game or even a, even a standard you know, regular TV type experience like Astro's Playroom, but but bigger and better. Um, it's going to be fantastic no matter which way. And I think now that everybody who's had a PlayStation has probably played this game, I think that has the potential for that franchise to blow up. You know, the next time they come out with something. So, uh, yeah, man, good good on you for picking that number five. I was I was I was gonna not gonna shame you to forget about them, but uh, they are they are pretty awesome. Yep, so. I have not forgotten. All right, so I do think like a lot of studios have an advantage if they've released a game more recently. Uh, that definitely can that definitely bumps them up. And but one thing I will credit Sony for doing is letting these studios reinvent themselves, release a game that's kind of different than what they've been doing. And so my number four is Sucker Punch, uh, oh. as they did. Yeah, a lot of their studios can do this, so it can apply to what I just said. But uh, I was mm-hmm. I wanted to bring up Sucker Punch because they they were they were known for the infamous series, and then they went to do something different, and they did Ghost of Tsushima, and this game is just gorgeous. It's beautiful. And yeah, it's an open world game, but it's doing a lot of cool things. For one, the load times on PlayStation 4 are non-existent. How did they do that? Yeah. How did they I do that? Know, That's in- it's insane. Um, a second thing, they got rid of the HUD entirely. Do you want to know where you're going? Follow the wind. The wind will go through right. the trees and the flowers and the plants. That That is such an amazing game design because that game is very beautiful. So let's get rid of all the HUD. Let's get rid of your mini map. Let's get rid of all that. It's just the game. Like you're just there. It's yeah. It's beautiful. That's smart. And then thirdly, um, okay. Now I already forgot my third point here. Oh, they're they're a Western developer and they're doing a Japanese game. And for not only you know the Western audience to really attach this game, but for the Japanese audience to love this game like they did, you know, using it as a tourism tourism campaign for the island mm-hmm. uh, that the game takes place on, it's just incredible. And again, you know, not only did they reinvent themselves, but they took they challenged the open world genre and brought a bunch of great ideas to it. So that's what brings Sucker Punch to my number four. Yeah, I, I think the uh, the wind mechanic is one of those um, I don't know, generational is not the right word, but mechanics that you're going to remember for a long, 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 long time. And I wouldn't be surprised if we see that starting to get copied in a couple of years. Uh, similar to the Nemesis system, it's just something that sticks out. You know, something wholly unique that you've never seen before. And you know, I think we're all kind of surprised that that system hasn't been adopted a little bit more. But again, I wouldn't be surprised to see some more. Um, you know, uh, navigation systems, whether it's wind or something else that, you know, is kind of tied into the world itself. But uh, I had I had Sucker Punch in my honorable mentions. It was actually my number six. Okay. Um, so, you know, but everything you said I agree with. It's just Ghost of Tsushima, I, I, I really, really liked it. It just didn't get to that upper echelon of exclusives, you know, like the God of Wars and a couple others. Mm-hmm. Um so, you know, I, I think that they have top five potential, no doubt. Um, it's just there's just a couple other ones that, that I like a little bit more. Sure. So, sure. All right. Yeah. Well, what's your number and four? 
Yeah, and so, um, you know, much like you, uh, I like teams that uh, Sony allows to do something a little bit different than what they're normally used to doing. Because um, I for sure thought you were about to say this team, but Gorilla. Um, <laughs> you know, so Gorilla, obviously, the they recently released uh, Horizon Forbidden West, Horizon Zero Dawn. You know, they're, they're that team. Uh, but they're historically known for doing Killzone, right? And, you know, Sony allowed them to pursue what they were passionate about and it spawned one of their biggest franchises that they currently have going right now um you know i think horizon has you know it's kind of a meme almost at this point that they've had a really bad luck with the games that release around them um but I don't think that that takes anything away from how special their games are. Similarly to Ghost of Tsushima, this game, the, both of the Horizon games are absolutely gorgeous. I would probably, if you had to, if you had to get me to say some some game, but Horizon Forbidden West would be the most beautiful game I've ever played. Um, I think the story, while it gets kind of eh at times, is at least engaging. Aloy is at least a character that I care about and want to, and don't mind playing for a good 30 or 40 hours, and uh, you know, I, I'd be really interested to see, you know, if that team is just going to continue with Horizon or if they're going to go off and branch off and do something else. I believe they've really gained uh, with their employee size as of late, so they could easily have a couple teams going at any given time. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, they are definitely found their footing with, uh, with Horizon, you know, and, um, yeah, I just, I think that they're, they're one of their better teams. And not to mention... They developed the Decima engine, which you know is what Death Stranding used. It's what some other some other games have used. So you know they have some of that those kind of chops there too, which you know is not uh, an easy thing to do to make an engine itself. So um, got to got to shout out Gorilla over there. Yep, yeah, great great studio. They are not in my top five, but but if if we expanded this, they would be yeah probably my number six because yeah they they take that Ubisoft formula. And punch its teeth in. Graphics better, enemy yeah. design better, uh, gameplay better. Like it's just, yep. Animations. Yep, animations. Yep. Everything, everything top tier. Open world perfection. Yeah, is it formulaic? Is it like a lot of open world? Yeah, but it's doing everything they're doing better and bigger. It's incredible. Like for a first person yeah. shooter studio, you know. Right. Exactly. So. Exactly. All right, so moving on to my number three. I don't think I really need to explain anymore. It's uh, Sony Santa Monica. Uh, mm. To be able to reboot God of War, incredible. We've already talked so much about them. Uh, most anticipated game of this year is a Sony Santa Monica studio game, so uh, yeah. they're incredible. I don't have much more to say because yeah. we've they've, they've been on our show, I think, four, four episodes now. This is the fourth one we brought up their studio, so... Uh, I don't have much more to say. I, I'll let you, if you got them on your list, John, say say your piece. Uh, no, man, they are also my number three. Okay. Uh, yep, they, <laughs> yeah, they're, they're right there. Um, when you create, in my opinion, the best exclusive on this system, you got to at least be in the top three. And, um, you know, I, I think the only thing that I would want to see out of Sony, Man, Sony Santa Monica is do something besides God of War and I'm not saying stop making God of War because I could play that stuff until it dies but you know maybe they can scale up a little bit and do something smaller but they've I I believe they've only done God of War games since the first God of War (laughs) yes so you know it's one of those things that like you know could they do a gorilla sucker punch transformation or is this really just their bread and butter and what they're sticking with so I, I think you know I know that the next God of War is the end of the Norse saga, so I would bet that they're going to do something else 
before they maybe go back to God of War in the future. Uh, I think that, um, you know, I, I think that that's likely because even when they were, you know, when we watched Raising, Raising Kratos, they were kind of, you know, bouncing around the idea of do we even go back to God of War? So, you know, they, I'm sure they have some other ideas. Corey Barlog has been rumored to, or they were actually were rumored to be working on some sort of space game, which I think could be super cool to see a team like that, you know, develop something uh you know that you can get as crazy with with as a space game, but um, yeah, man, Sony Santa Monica. You know the, you know, yeah. What what else can you say? Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, so moving on. I'm sure this team. I'm sure is, we have. The, I'm sure we. I'm sure we have the same top two. <laughs> yes. The the question is where they are placed. So sure. my number two is Naughty Dog. Uh, I don't think much more needs to be said. They're responsible for the Uncharted series, the Last of Us series. Uh, while I've kind of burned out on their games in the past, Uncharted 1 through 3, I kind of was like, I want to be done with this because I never thought that their shooting was always a great mechanic. But uh, right. Last of Us 2 was perfection. Great story. Uh, the gameplay was the best it's ever been. Uh, it felt so good to actually play that I was there the whole time. And, um, you know, if it wasn't for the story, just beating the shit out of my soul I probably would have played through it again which I can say for other previous Naughty Dog titles so so yeah that's my piece on them not shocking one of the best developers in the world for years now um, the question is where do you got them ranked John either you number one or oh, two well, I'm not gonna spoil anything but my number two is Insomniac Games <laughs> <laughs> so yeah Naughty Dog's my number one we'll get there in a second um, but Insomniac is my number two um, which I'm gonna assume is your number one yep um, but you know just to kind of talk about them real quick you know this is the steal of the century my friend this is Sony bought this team for $229 million, which, you know, surface level, that's more money than I'll ever see in my life. So, you know, not saying that, but when you consider the fact that 2K bought Codemasters, the guys who make um, some a couple of racing games, for $1.2 billion, and then you got Insomniac, who's giving you Marvel's Spider-Man, Miles Morales, an upcoming Wolverine game, a Spider-Man sequel, Ratchet & Clank. You know, it's unbelievable the output that this team has has uh, produced in the past couple years, and really, without this team, the per I think the, the entire narrative behind the PS5 would be uh, completely different. You know, without mm -hmm. Miles Morales, without uh, Ratchet & Clank, without... You know these uh, the remake of well, not the remake the remaster of the Spider-Man 2018 game. There wouldn't be a lot to talk about on that console, but this team came and basically put the Sony on their back and said, "Hold, hold my beer, I got this." And you know, and and really, really proved why they're some of the best developers in the world. And it's not just their game production. You know, when they release games, they make sure that their games are performing as best as they can. They were, I think, the first team out there to really implement um, the uh, the fidelity and performance mode kind of merger, right? Where you're not you're not having to settle for 60 frames but no ray tracing. They were able to do a 60 frames with ray tracing. It was it was dialed down a little bit, but they figured out a way to do it. Mm -hmm. And and again, man, like I just 229 million versus Bethesda's seven point whatever billion. It's just it's it's insane to me. I think Insomniac is easily like a five to six billion dollar team, and uh, 
You know, I, they've been they've been working with Sony for a long, long, long time. So maybe that has something to do with it, is they just had some sort of relationship, or there's some you know behind closed doors you know clause in there. But uh, <laughs> you know, uh, and with with yeah with Spider-Man Two and Wolverine coming out, you know, in the future. It seems like they're they're just lapping everybody. I don't know how they do it. You know, in an age where everybody's taking ages and ages and ages to make games, they just you know seem to be the ones that have it figured out. So yeah, um, yeah. yeah, man, Insomniac is is pretty awesome. Yeah, uh, that's why they're my number one. <laughs> they have uh, for years now. Even when they made one game for Microsoft, Sunset Overdrive, all their games are just they're just awesome. They're consistent. They come out at a consistent cadence. They're just they're just a reliable studio that's kind of been under the radar for a long time until they got Spider-Man and then everyone's like, oh my gosh, Insomniac, look what they do. Mm-hmm. They record two different voice tracks for Spider-Man, one where he's swinging and one where he's standing still. Like, who yeah. goes to that level of detail? Insomniac does. And their games are so good, they play so well, they look so good. As you mentioned, all the different performance modes that you can get out of their game so you can t- fine tune that game to how you wanna play it. It's incredible, and for them last year during the Sony Showcase to not show just their next project, to show their next new projects, you know, Spider-Man 2, which I'm sure is very high on everyone's list, the most anticipated, and that the fact that they're doing Wolverine I just yeah, want to let I that sit in. Little, John, let it sit in. That is, is, let it sit in, John. Little, that is your wet dream. They're making right a Wolverine game. Everyone just take oh. that in. The team that made Spider-Man is going to do a standalone Wolverine game, and they are doing that on top of Spider-Man 2. Mm-hmm. It's like, that's my most anticipated game ever. I'm not even just right. Sony First Party, just Marvel's Wolverine. Got it. Yeah. Bring God, it. I hope it's I hope it's rated M, man. I mean, you know, we'll see. I don't know. I I know there's been rumors of people that working on the game saying it is a more serious tone, but you know, I I just would I would love it if it's you know the Logan and not the X Men origins sure. of Wolverine sure. stuff. So we'll see. Yeah, but yeah. Uh, but for right now anything's possible. We only got that teaser trailer, but but Sonic, you're amazing. Yeah. I love you. One of the and the thing that they do, like the understated thing, is is their games are just fun, mm-hmm. right? They're they're it's 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 rare that a game comes out where there's just a mechanic in the game that I'd be happy to do for a long, long, long time. And um, go away, Kylie. Sorry, that's my wife, everybody. Um, and I could swing around New York for hours. It's just fun to swing. They just they have a way about their, you know, Ratchet and Clank. It's just fun. It's fun to find out what the next gun is. Sunset Overdrive. It's just wacky, crazy shit. And so, yeah, you never know, you know, where the fun's going to come, but you know you're going to have it. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. And I, and I would like to point out a fun little fact that John's son loves this game. So how many <laughs> recorded hours do you have in Spider-Man? Uh, so Spider-Man... Uh, as as Levi, my son, loves to call it Peter Parker. He just calls the game Peter Parker because it's you know that's <laughs> the Spider Man in it. Uh, so the first one we have about two hundred and twenty four hours. Uh, I've probably beaten that game six times. <laughs> and then uh, Miles Morales, who's his number one superhero, we probably have like two hundred and sixty hours <laughs> in, and that's and everybody if you haven't played it, it takes about six hours to beat that game. So I'll I'll let you do the math on that one. Uh, you know he loves Spider Man, but he uh, I realized he has this weird obsession. Uh, with uh, just collecting and like unlocking, so he's always wants to. He, he gets all the suits 
we reset the game, he then just gets all the suits again. He's platinum those games. <laughs> He's a little five-year-old kid that just can do everything in those games, but uh, yeah, he can't get enough of well, it. Well, I think that's just a testament to the game again and to them because it's like not only is he enjoying it, but like it's not. I know you're you're probably sick of the game, but it, it could be a lot worse games that you could be playing. <laughs> so. Oh no! Yeah, he, yeah. Uh, anybody who has kids knows that children like repetition they like familiarity and so for him to latch on to uh that was i had no qualms about that um you know compared to another game that i can't seem to shake which is descenders is a downhill mountain biking game that he is also obsessed with so so yeah i'll uh, i'll take spider-man all day long yeah we love you insomniac all right john yes. we know what your number one is why are yeah. they your number one I just think that there's not a team out there that has the level of, sorry, it's Naughty Dog, <laughs> uh, that has the level of attention to detail that these guys do. Um, I think that they're masterful storytellers where every time you go into a game, you know you're going to laugh, you're going to cry, you're going to be sad, you're going to be happy. The characters that they develop are untouchable to me when it comes to video game characters. I think Ellie is maybe the best written video game character I've ever experienced I, when you combine her with Joel you know and the story and the bleakness of that world and, the, and how real that world feels I think it's it's truly you know they're the only team in the world that could make that game and Uncharted you know I don't need to say much more about Uncharted that can't be said about Last of Us but you know it's the the Indiana Jones knockoff just you know a pulp romp action adventure thing that you know everybody always wanted and you know is the shooting the best no it's serviceable though but that's not why we're playing those games you know it's similar to something like mass effect right where people when they talk about mass effect they're talking about the relationships and the characters that you um that you get to experience it's not necessarily that i'm having fun doing headshots but you know, when they when they released Last of Us 2, I think they really finally got the combat down. Um, so I'm really excited to see now that they've, you know, they obviously know the story. They obviously know how to build characters. Now that they know they got the, the gameplay down as well, um, you know, it's just so exciting. You know, Last of Us 1 getting the remake, you know, I, I'm curious to see if they, how that feels to play now. And then, you know, going forward past this, you know. What's the next the next original IP from Naughty Dog Man? Like, I I can't wait when the mm -hmm. like when the Last of Us was announced the first time. I, I remember not being too excited because I I think I was just getting into Uncharted, and I just wanted more of that. And I was like, what is this gonna be? Like, this isn't gonna be as good. And then for it to come out and say, oh no no man, like it's Uncharted on steroids, um, just really shows the proof of you know, how creative this team is. And I think with somebody like Neil Druckmann at the head of the head of that uh, organization, I believe he's even the president now, um, you know, full, full confidence in them. And I think Sony, I think if, if Sony was an entity on this podcast, they would also put Naughty Dog as their number one. I think that that's just the level of confidence that Sony leadership has in them. And so they'll let them do whatever they want. And anytime, mm -hmm. as we've talked about earlier in this podcast, anytime you let a creative team do what they want to do, you're going to get a much better thing than somebody who's, you know, being told what to do, which I think is more Microsoft's, you know, at least seems to be the way that they kind of operate and, and, uh, yeah, I just uh, Naughty Dog can do no wrong to me. I that's why that's why the the last the discussion around the last was two was so frustrating. But we don't have to get into that. But um, 
Yeah, they're 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 the best in the world to me. Yeah, and uh, with the upcoming HBO show, uh, all eyes will be on them again as a whole new audience will be introduced to their games and uh, their characters, which is very exciting. Yes. All right. Well, we did it again. That's six things. Uh, we will be back next week with another six things. I hope to check out some stray. So hopefully, I'll have some impressions next week as that launches. Um, but John, what song are we leaving everybody with today? Uh, so we're going uh, to kick it off with one of our Toby Fox jams. I think this is probably the most recognizable slash most famous song in the game called Megalovania. Uh, it's just some battle music that kicks off kind of towards the latter half of the game, and it's fucking rad, you guys, so enjoy. Yeah, everyone enjoy the music, and again, we'll be back next week. See you then. Bye, everyone. Right, take, take care, guys.